need a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Some place where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. the Baptist's message is one of repentance, but not only repentance, it's also of the forgiveness of sins, and that forgiveness has a very particular way of coming. It's coming in the one who follows John the Baptist, the one who is greater than John the Baptist, the one whose sandal John the Baptist is not worthy to untie. That forgiveness comes in the person of Jesus Christ. Greetings and welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. It's time to study the Advent hymn on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. Dr. Arthur Just joins us. He's professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. Dr. Just, welcome back. A blessed Aventide to you. What a wonderful season this is. I love this season as a pastor. It was the season I loved the most, preparing people for Christmas. Doctor, just tell us about a new position you have recently accepted a call to as a missionary for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Yeah, hey, thanks for asking, Todd. Yeah, I've been working, oh, for a while now, officially since 2012 with a church in Spain and and then I started moving into Latin America through my, my former student and now my, in a sense, my, my leader, Ted Cray, who's in uh, Dominican and head of Latin America for the Missouri Synod. And um, just this last year, we started a seminary in the Dominican Republic and they needed kind of a seasoned uh, faculty person and I speak enough Spanish so that I qualified and so... I took a, a half, it's really kind of a halftime call as a career missionary, and I'll be spending falls teaching in the Dominican Republic. I spent about four months traveling around doing some teaching in other places too, working with Spain, but it's very exciting helping with curriculum. I've actually taught some courses in Spanish. It's been, it was great. I was there for about three weeks this fall, but I will officially be full-time January 1st and this fall spending the entire fall quarter in the Dominican, and then winter and spring back in Fort Wayne, where I'm still professor and still chairman of the, the exegetical department. So to the subject at hand, this Advent hymn on Jordan's bank, The Baptist Cry, why are we singing a hymn about John the Baptist during Advent? Well, as, as most of our listeners know, that, that Advent is a season that is uh, a season of preparation for, for Christmas, and um, I'm sure they've heard sermons already about the, the three different Advents, the Advent of Christ in his incarnation, the Advent when he comes again in glory to judge the living of the dead, and then his Advent now among us in the, in the liturgy, in the preaching, in the sacraments. And, um, you know, two of the, clim- the two climaxes in the church here are Christmas, the incarnation, and then, you know, the whole Easter tradium, which is the atonement and resurrection And um, Advent has always been, like Lent, a a penitential season because it is a time of preparation. 
And, you know, the original Advent was, they thought was seven weeks long because of the darkness that starts in November. And, you know, now we have the last three Sundays of the church here, which focuses on judgment. But there was a real judgment theme in November and December in the in the ancient church. And, and John the Baptist is sort of part of that. There's no greater figure in the Old or New Testament that speaks with such clarity on the need for repentance into the forgiveness of sins, as we just translated in our Greek readings class this morning on Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. And it's, it's, a, it's a great focus through John the Baptist on what the whole meaning of the season is. And when I was chairman of the lectionary committee, one of the things we did, at least in series A and series C, that would be Matthew and Luke, is we, we doubled up. And I think this year we, we, we will too a little differently, but we, we have kind of the ministry of John the Baptist in the second Sunday. And then the third Sunday is sort of the interpretation of that through Jesus, or in the case of next Sunday through, through John the Baptist himself, where we have behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I mean, the, 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 the movement from old to new. I mean, the New Testament, in a sense, begins with the birth of Jesus, or even you could go back to the Annunciation. And, and John and Jesus are critical figures in that. That's why the infancy narrative of Luke is so wonderful with its step parallelism between John the Baptist and Jesus. So there is, to answer your question, there is no more perfect person to prepare us for the three comings of Christ in repentance and faith, forgiveness through baptism than John the Baptist. And he's ideal. It's just wonderful to preach him during this season. What can you tell us about the author of this hymn's text on Jordan's bank, the Baptist cry? Well, this is, this is really an interesting text in many ways because it was originally thought of when it went into the kind of the first hymnal that it found as a source in, in 1736. This was John Chandler's Hymns of the Primitive Church that um, late, well, sorry, that was 1837, but it was first written in, in 1736. But when it came into that hymnal, they thought it was an ancient hymn. And it really isn't. It was written in the, um, the, the 17th century and 18th century by this man by the name of Charles Coffin. And interestingly, most of our hymns come to us either in English or translated from German, and very few of them come to us in Latin. The ones that do are really old, but this is a newer hymn in Latin. And Charles Coffin was, was a Jansenist, which was a, a Roman Catholic movement in France. And what was interesting about it for us as Lutherans is they insisted on justification by grace through faith, and they were declared as heretics because they were too Lutheran, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. So in many ways, even though this hymn was not written by a Lutheran, it was written by a Roman Catholic who really, as a Jansenist, was very close to Lutheranism. So this is this is a hymn that can really resonate with the Church Catholic, including us. You know, and I and I think that's a that's a wonderful thing about it. So, you have already given us a little hint of some of this, but what would you say are the primary biblical texts that stand behind this particular hymn? Yeah, well, I mean. The narratives of John the Baptist in Matthew, Mark, and Luke would be the primary ones. Uh, in the hymnal, it, it lists Matthew, but it could just as easily have listed Mark or Luke. The other text, of course, would be what, what those Gospels cite from Isaiah 40, verse 3, 
A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way the Lord makes straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Um, but there are other texts too. I mean, th- this hymn writer is, is really very biblically astute. And for example, I think you can find not just Isaiah 40, but Genesis 15, fear not Abraham, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Hebrews 1, 2, that speaks of the grace that will waste away when the prophet comes in the last days. Psalm 144, 2 Corinthians 4. So there's a, there's a lot of just hints of scripture all the way through. But it is the story of John the Baptist in the Gospels that is the primary source. Overall, before we listen to the first stanza, what should we be listening for in this hymn as it talks about John the Baptist, but really kind of delivers John's original message? It does. And, and I think what the hearer should listen for is the fact that of the five verses, the first two are about John and the last three are about Christ. And I think one of the you know, great themes of the scriptures, and certainly we can talk about it in Advent, and it's really in many ways one of the great themes of the whole church here, is the movement from old to new. And John and Jesus, their relationship certainly embodies that. And, and I think, you know, as a Lucan guy, it's a huge theme in Luke, and you can see it going all the way through the gospel in many ways. And I think that that movement from old to new, and, and that the, there is a, a completely new reality with the birth of Christ, and that this is what the entire Old Testament has been waiting for. And John the Baptist is that final prophet of the old, who also kind of have his, has his foot in the new, but he really brings to an end the old and points forward to the new by pointing to Jesus. Dr. Arthur Justice, our guest, we're studying the Advent hymn on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist's Cry. He's professor of New Testament, chairman of the Department of Exegetical Theology and director of Spanish-speaking pastoral formation at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. When we come back, the first stanza, we'll hear it. On Jordan's Bank, the Baptist cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. Archbook's Treasury Christmas Collection is the perfect Christmas gift for children, grandchildren, and godchildren ages 5 through 9. This new resource is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. You can also purchase Archbook's Treasury Christmas Collection at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December, Archbook's Treasury Christmas Collection, 1-800-325-3040, or issuesetc.org. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's life ministry is thousands of people sharing Christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our Lord's creation of life, His design for marriage and the family, and the God-given value of all human life from conception to natural death. Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministry sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email lifeministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org life. Do you want your neighbors and community to see what you're celebrating this Christmas season? Why not display an outdoor nativity in front of your home or church? It's a great way to show others what Christmas is all about, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Check out the Outdoor Nativity Store at OutdoorNativityStore.com. Durable, affordable, and American-made nativities. OutdoorNativityStore.com. OutdoorNativityStore.com. Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church, Albany, Oregon, is a mid-Willamette Valley LCMS congregation where the liturgy lives and God's people worship as one with sound biblical doctrine, weekly communion, and a clear confession of Christ crucified for the sin of the world. Please join us at 2515 Queen Avenue Southeast or visit our website at www.holycrosslutheranalbany.org. Education and edification. You're listening to Issues Etc. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal Jay Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at M-E-L-H-S dot org, jkrause at M-E-L-H-S dot org. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio Choir singing the first stanza of On Jordan's Bank, the Baptist Cry. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest, and we're studying this entire hymn. Dr. Just, what stands out to you the most in the first stanza of this Advent hymn? Well, I mean, the, the very first line is a kind of right out of the Gospels, that it is John chooses this spot on the Jordan in the river because he needs water to baptize. And one of the things you see when you see John in the, the the Jordan baptizing is that he is at the same time preaching. Those things go together, and he's preaching a baptism of repentance into the forgiveness of sins. And so I really love the movement from John the Baptist cry announces, because it, it really does indicate that, that those two things are going together. And what he's, what he's announcing is the fact that he is preparing for something greater than him and that he is, in a sense, getting everybody ready for the inbreaking of what I like to call this incandescent holiness that Jesus birth, life, and, and really his death, resurrection, and ascension brings, that, that there is this, this focus now on the holiness of God that is now a person. And that in order for us to, you know, entertain this person, at least in the first century, you know, in his presence, to, to hear his preaching, to, to see him, to, to be healed by him, you, you had to be prepared. And the way you prepared was going to John, 
being washed, being cleansed, being purified. And that's what John's baptism did. It prepared, it purified, it cleansed. Didn't make you a Jew. You were a Jew already. These are the Jews coming to him. They are Jews through, through circumcision. But, but they are now getting ready for something new and different and final, and that is Christ. And he is the king of kings. I love that it ends there with that verse. Because, I mean, the kingdom is coming in Christ. The king is about to be coronated on a cross. And the destiny of Jerusalem, we'll see in the next verse, everything points to Jerusalem, to his destiny, to his throne, to his crown, to his death. That's the whole point of everything, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that John now points to. As John's gospel says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why is it that preparation is required? It's obviously foretold in the Old Testament. John the Baptist is significant enough that he's not only a prophet, but he's a prophet of whom it is prophesied. But why preparation necessary for this ancient people of God before their God arrives? Well, it was built into their DNA that if you are going to the place where God is, which is a holy place, you had to prepare by by repentance, by cleansing. So when the priests offer their sacrifices in the holy place, they go to wash, they got to cleanse. Or the high priest on the Day of Atonement, it's got to be cleansed. And, and everybody prepared to enter the holy place, which was, of course, the temple or the synagogue. And so the idea of preparation to enter holiness is, is built into the very nature of what it means to be the people of God who are awaiting the, the holiness of God to come in a person, in the Messiah. And when that Messiah comes, he is the Holy One, and so he's the new temple, he's the new Zion. I mean, all the, all the prophecies prophesy that this is the mountain of mountains, this is the city of our God, and, and to enter that, you have to be holy. I, I always use this as an example. You know, why do we confess our sins and have absolution before we start the liturgy. I mean, it's pre-liturgy. It's not really part of the liturgy. It's a preparation for the liturgy. I mean, aren't our sins going to be forgiven when we hear the gospel? Aren't they going to be forgiven when we receive the sacrament? Well, we, it's like John the Baptist. We need to be in a position to confess our sins and receive absolution so that we might be worthy to hear the gospel and be forgiven, to receive the sacrament and be forgiven. I mean, in a way, you can't get enough forgiveness but you, you need to prepare to enter that. You know, a, a, a poor example, but I think people will understand it, is, you know, when you go to a public s- swimming pool, you got to take a shower beforehand. you got to cleanse before you go in. And in, in a way, that's what we're doing. We're cleansing ourselves so that we might be ready through repentance, faith, and absolution to hear the Word of God, to receive the sacrament. That's what they were doing at the time of, of John. They had to repent, be cleansed, washed, receive that absolution, receive that forgiveness, so that when Jesus comes, they are cleansed and ready to receive him. One other question before we move on to stanza two. Uh, Awaken, hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings, but if you read John's sermon or the summary thereof that's found in the Gospels, it is about judgment. It is about someone's coming who is going to be clearing the threshing floor, burning the chaff with unquenchable fire, and it's a stern call to repentance as well. Where are the glad tidings? Well, that's a great question, and I think the glad tidings are what you're preparing for, that you're preparing for the the good news to be embodied in a person. 
Now, it, it is interesting that in Luke's gospel, it says, and this is at the end of the long 20 verses on John the Baptist, this is 318, so with many other, other exhortation, he preached good news to the people. Now, I, I think that, you know, there you can, that's gospel. That's, that's maybe even where this hymn writer got it from. And I think the, the good news is that when, when this, you know, Elijah comes, which is what, really what John the Baptist is, they know they are close to what the entire canon of the Old Testament has been prophesying. And that is the Lamb of God is coming. That's the good news. The good news is, I mean, think of it again as in the divine service. When you go through confession and absolution at the beginning of the service, that's, you know, that's good news in a sense because you know you are now going to enter into the greatest good news that you will experience all week. And that is the presence, the bodily presence of Christ in the hearing of the, the word of God and in the receiving of that word in, with, and under bread and wine. Preparation is good news, and that's why Advent is such a wonderful season. I, like I said, I just love preparing my people in the parish for this because it 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 really focuses on what it's all about, you know. And it, you know, we talk always about the noise of Christmas and all the nonsense that goes on, but when it, if you stick to the texts and the hymns of Advent, you're ready for Christmas. It's just the best way to prepare. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. We're studying the Advent hymn on Jordan's Bank, the Baptist Cry, stanza two, when we come back. Then cleansed be every life from sin, make straight the way for God within, and let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. Dr. Arthur Just is professor of New Testament and chairman of the Department of Exegetical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Several issues, etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the president and vice presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. IssuesETC.org slash 2023 nominations. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we move farther along in St. Luke with To Call Sinners, a question on fasting, Lord of the Sabbath, man with the withered hand, and the 12 apostles and Jesus on the plain. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective, and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. 
Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Sacramental, historical, liturgical. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Augsburg Lutheran, Shawnee, Kansas. Concordia Lutheran, Geneseo, Illinois. Holy Cross Lutheran, Carlisle, Illinois. Hope Lutheran, Melbourne, Florida. Mount Zion Lutheran, Greenfield, Wisconsin. Our Savior Lutheran, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Redeemer Lutheran, Marshalltown, Iowa. St. John Lutheran, Port Sanilac, Michigan. St. Paul Lutheran, Long Beach, California. Trinity Lutheran, St. Charles, Missouri. And Zion Lutheran, Tacoma, Washington. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Stanza two of the hymn on Jordan's bank, The Baptist Cry. I'm Todd Wilkins. This is Issues Etc. We're studying this Advent hymn. Our guest is Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. In about a half hour, we'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. We'll play four soundbites from this week's Issues Etc. audio. You'll vote for it, and then your vote will decide which will be Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Dr. Just, what would you emphasize in stanza two of the Advent hymn on Jordan's bank, The Baptist Cry? Well, you got the cleansing right there. I mean, I love that. And that's what John's baptism did. It was purificatory. It cleanses us. And make straight the way for the for God within. That's the Isaiah 40 passage. And, you know, again, Luke has even more. The, the valleys are filled in. The mountains are made low. You know, the, the image there is that, that we, there's this, this journey, this path, this way, that the Messiah must take to Jerusalem. This is focusing on Jerusalem, the holy city. And that even the topography of Israel will change so that that path might be direct and clear and, and that the Messiah might walk it directly to his destiny, which is, of course, on that hill outside Jerusalem. And that's, that's part of what John is about. John is, is, in a sense, getting rid of all the nonsense so that we might see exactly what this is about. And, and with clarity, we come, you know, to, to the, the waters of the Jordan to be cleansed, to be baptized, to receive the forgiveness of sins, to be made holy so that we can go with him to that holy city, to that cross. And in this case, to Bethlehem, to celebrate his birth. The movement then after those two first phrases uh, are ones that I think really focus on the preparation and and the preparation is for Christ to 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 
you know, come and enter us and be part of us, which is what happens in our baptism, which is, is what makes us worthy to be part of the, you know, the whole life of the church of which the celebration of Christmas is so central, you know, to, to go to those services that we go to in order to get ready for the coming of the Christ child on Christmas. And then the, the great explosion of, of joy that with the angels and, and the, the music and the, you know, the, the, the shepherds and the whole wonderful Christmas story that is what I think has delighted Christians from ever, from the first celebration of Christmas after Constantine. One other question there, and that is the preparation that is made of the heart. This can only happen through what you just mentioned earlier. It is both a baptism, it's also a preaching, and both of them are, we're told by the Gospel writers, for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. We're talking about law and gospel, aren't we? Well, we are, absolutely. And this is, I mean, this is where... I think you see how important it is to understand that baptism cleanses and baptism is the way in which we enter. And the, the way the Greek has it is it's, you're, you're into a state of forgiveness, that this is the reality that you live in because you have entered into this baptism of repentance. And, and, and we do live in that state of forgiveness, which is why we're constantly sort of, you know, reminding ourselves of it in our liturgy by confessing our sins and receiving absolution at the beginning, hearing the, the absolution in the gospel and the preaching, you know, receiving the absolution in our mouths, in the body and blood of Christ. I mean, the, the benediction, I mean, the whole thing is, in a, in a sense, one long absolution, which is a liberation, a release from the bondage of, of our sins. And, and that's, that's a, that's, there's, you, you have to have the rhythm of law and gospel for that to happen. And I mean, true law, where you really do kind of examine, you know, your identity as somebody who is rebellious to God, who wants to seek another way, who wants to do it on your own, who wants to cooperate with God in your own salvation, along with the, just the very nature of us being sinful and unclean as we confess in our in our confession of sins at the beginning of the service. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is Christian life. It's Christian life lived in, in the liturgy and, and in the life of the church that is so vital to just making it from day to day in this world in which we live. Stanza three, we hail thee as our Savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Without thy grace we waste away like flowers that wither and decay. Dr. Just, you said before that the first two are about John. And then the final three focus where John would have us focus our attention on Christ himself. How does this stanza do that? Well, the, the end of the last uh, stanza, stanza two, ends with Christ, for Christ to come and enter there. And then 
the the thee we hail thee Christ as our Savior Lord. There there it is. I mean we are now uh, focusing on Him as our Savior, and we hail Him. That's you know it's interesting. That's the language that's used um, in the Annunciation, and it and it comes from the word for rejoice. We rejoice thee as our Savior Lord, and it's also the same word as grace. I found that to be really interesting. I don't know if the author knew that, but the the fact that he ends with grace. I mean, it's interesting, Advent you don't think of as a time of joy, but you know, the hymn we sang in chapel this morning is filled with alleluias. It is a time of joy. You know, repentance is a joyful thing for people who understand what it's about. And and this is why we hail him, because it, when we repent, we let our we let go, you know. We basically say we are sinful and unclean. We can't do it on our own, you know. You and you alone can save us, Lord. There He is our refuge. We're falling back into Him, and this is out of the Him, our refuge. And and if we do that, then then the reward we receive is that forgiveness, that release, you know, that invitation to come and enter in. You know, or for uh, you know, for him to enter our heart, and and again, I keep going back to the liturgy, to enter into the hearing of his word, to enter, you know, into the very holy of holies and receiving his body and blood, which we do by walking up to the altar and kneeling and receiving. I mean, that that is our reward. That is our great reception of grace, which is how this thing ends, and and without it. You know, we're dead. We decay. We, we, we wither, you know. Like the poinsettia plant, I'm trying to keep alive in my foyer, <laughs> keep watering it, maybe overwatering it, but it seems to keep fading. F- flowers fall off. I, 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 it needs grace, and it's not getting it from me. But, uh, you know, it, that's a wonderful image because we can all identify with that. And, and without grace, without joy that comes from the grace that that is what the atonement is all about, what the resurrection is all about, we're nothing. I'm interested in that phrase, that refuge and our great reward, which puts me in mind of Abraham and how it is God even greets Abraham when he makes a covenant with him. I think God says, I am your shield and your great reward. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a wonderful uh, way of looking at it. Yeah, it 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 is the 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 promise I think of Genesis fifteen. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield, your reward, as you said. You know, this promise is confirmed continually throughout the entire Old Testament through the prophets. That kind of reaches its climax in the last days with with Christ. You know, His Son, as Hebrews one says, without His grace we waste away. That's why, you know, that double image of refuge and reward is wonderful. It's wonderful because it, it, it encompasses the Christian life. And, I mean, it makes us think of the end too, Todd. I mean, the ultimate reward is to be say, you know, come, O blessed of my Father, you know, stand on my right, be one of my sheep, you know, at the judgment day. That's, that's the ultimate reward of which we are, in a sense, constantly preparing by seeking him as our refuge in repentance and faith and, and, and receiving in faith that wonderful absolution. We are sometimes as Lutherans leery of that reward language because 
even though it's thoroughly scriptural, it's abused in evangelicalism when they talk about rewards. They they talk about kind of living for rewards rather than these rewards being ours first and foremost in Christ. And then, of course, there is the clear promise of Scripture that God rewards both here and hereafter those fruits of faith that he produces. What are your thoughts there? Well, and I think one way of, I mean, and I think this is biblical, one of the rewards that we get is the privilege of participating in his sufferings. And I don't think many people would think of their own sufferings as being a reward, but in a way it's a sign, as Hebrews says, of his love, that he's privileging us to recognize that by suffering we we recognize in our own mortality and our own brokenness that that we we need him that we 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 can only make it with him and the, i mean the the meaning of our sufferings can only be found in his sufferings now i you know that's that's a real hard move for people to make in terms of reward but i think that's in a sense, what we talk about in the theology of the cross. I mean, Dr. Weinrich preached a magnificent sermon this morning in which he talked about the humility and the meekness and the mercy and the suffering. And that's, that's a reward. To, to, I mean, the Beatitudes, the very nature, because that's who Christ is. You know, the reward is, to, is to, be, to be him in the world, you know, now, to be his feet, to be his hands, to be his voice. To, to embody him and bear him in the world and, and that his forgiveness, his compassion, his love, his mercy is through us. That's the greatest reward there is, that we are now his, his ambassadors. We are the ones who are his messengers. The world sees him through us. That's, that's the most unbelievable reward. So, I mean, I think there's a way in which you can, you can talk about that reward, but it's, it, it is through the, the, the humility of the cross. When we come back, we'll look at the fourth stanza of On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry, one that gets us into the ministry of Jesus. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Thank you for almost six and a half million downloads so far this year. Please help us reach more listeners in 2023 by making a year-end tax-deductible gift. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. Do you need a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Some place where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. 
Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. More topics, more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. With the oldest deaconess program of the LCMS, Concordia University Chicago has fully certified young women for the deaconess vocation for more than 40 years. I'm Deaconess Kristen Wasilak, Program Director for Deaconess Studies. Help us identify the next generation of servants to care for souls, engage our communities in mercy, and teach God's Word. Learn more about Concordia Chicago's Deaconess Program today at cuchicago.edu. cuchicago.edu. Are you ready for war? Are you ready to stand firm in Christ against all odds? Listen to chapel services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org. Yes, yes, you are ready because God has made you ready. Your hope is built on Jesus Christ and His righteousness. The whole point of free speech protections is to make sure that you have the freedom to say things that other people want to stop you from saying. That's how we know, and that's how the oil of the spirit and faith remains kindled in our hearts. Wait a cotton picking minute here. We'll show you where what we teach is in fact founded in the sacred scriptures, and to show you that we're not innovators, we'll show you from the writings of the fathers that they understood these things the exact same way that we do. Understanding the, the boundaries between the two kingdoms, we're not going to come to a proper conclusion on what the role of the state is if we're using that distinction to justify voting for people that we would have uh, condemned the other political side from voting for five seconds ago. How would you like to win the LPR bundle package? It's an I Have Issues t-shirt, a travel mug, notepad, pen, and bumper sticker. In about 20 minutes, we're going to play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. We'll play four soundbites for you. You heard in part right there. We'll play them in their entirety. Then you'll give us a call, 1-877-623-6943, and your vote will decide which one will be Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. In the meantime, we're studying the hymn on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry, with Dr. Arthur Just. He's professor of New Testament, chairman of the Department of Exegetical Theology, and director of Spanish-speaking pastoral formation at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service. Here's the next stanza of stanza four of the hymn on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. Lay on the sick thy healing hand and make the fallen strong to stand. Show us the glory of thy face till beauty springs in every place. Lay on the sick thy healing hand. 
suggest this fourth stanza gets us into the ministry of Jesus, doesn't it? It does. And, I mean, I, I think I, I understand the first two phrases, but the, um, especially the very last phrase, till beauty springs in every place. I mean, I, I have an idea of what I think it means, but it's, it's, in many ways, it's the loveliest of all the verses because it is so poetic and it is, in, in many ways, the most difficult to fully grasp in all its ramifications. I, I, you know, one of my great themes in teaching is, is the, how important the miracles of healing are in Jesus' ministry. And that healing is a form of forgiveness. It's the, the brokenness of a creation that's infected with the virus of sin that manifests itself in, in sin and sickness and demon possession and death. And that Jesus comes to release us. And I think the most profound way in which we really understand that release is when we are sick and then we are healed. I mean, you don't sometimes think about how what, what it's like to be healthy until you're sick and then you can't wait to be healthy again. And that healing is something I think everybody can identify with. And, and the, the fallen, you know, make the fallen. You know, everybody should be able to identify that they are those who fit into that category of fallen. And when you're fallen, when you're broken, you don't feel very strong. You feel weak. You need somebody. And this is what I was trying to say before with suffering. Suffering is where we recognize our fallenness. Our sickness makes us recognize that. And, and we need the strength. And, and that strength only comes from the Lord. That's, our, he, that's the refuge language. That's, that's where he is. And the glory of his face, I think that points us to Christmas, the face of the Christ child. You know, the babe of Bethlehem. There it is. I, I have a new grandson. He's, he's eight weeks old. And I, I yearn to see his face, you know, to behold his face, to see that little face, you know, and, and to see those first smiles and to behold that face of the Christ child. And, and that, the, the Christ child is what, this is where I think the, the last phrase goes, till beauty springs in every place. Here is the creator in the Christ child, the creator who has come to his creation to restore it to what it was intended to be. And that's what healings do. It reverses what is broken because of the fall, because of sin. And in a sense, that's what the atonement does. It brings in the new creation. The creator brings beauty. And it's through the horror, the ugliness. You know, this is where Isaiah talks about it. You know, his ugliness was so, face was so marred, we couldn't even bear to look at it. I mean, the ugliness of the cross is how he brings beauty. And the beauty that he brings is forgiveness, release, absolution, you know? I mean, what we're talking about here, about preparing for Christmas. It's, what, it's the, the rhythm of Christian life. That's the beauty, that, that there is healing in his wings, as the great hymn in quoting Malachi says, you know, Hark the Herald Angel Sings. I love that. I love that phrase. There is healing in his wings. This is the breaking in, as you said, of the new creation. And if we think of it in terms of that Christ himself, his flesh, is the seed that will eventually spring forth in all of fallen creation being redeemed and resurrected. Is that a good way to think about it? Oh, absolutely. And that's why, that's why baptism is so important is because 
his flesh and our flesh are joined together by the Spirit through the Word and the water, and, and we become new creatures. We get death over with. We conquer sin. We rise to a life that never ends, even though we will sin, even though we will suffer. It's not an ultimate sort of experience because we, we, are, we are now in Christ, and when, with Christ we conquer. And it, it's, it's the joy of what it means to live in the Christian world today. I mean, it, it, this is why, you know, we, we have to speak about the church as more than just simply a ticket to heaven. It's the joy of living in a community that understands this new creation, that can live in joy. Again, the sermon this morning, Weinrich was talking about the, the suffering when he was in Latvia of those who were in the gulags. And what did they do? They sang. They sang for joy. You can only do that if you're a new creation in Christ. You can only do that if you understand what your baptism is is about. You can only understand that, that even in the gulag, even in the darkness, even in prison, if Christ is in you, there is beauty. The beauty springs in every place, even in the darkest, darkest of places in this world. The final stanza. All praise, eternal Son, to Thee, whose advent sets Thy people free whom with the Father we adore in Holy Spirit evermore. altogether appropriate, Dr. Jess, to have a kind of a standard doxological verse to close these hymns. They are not a mere afterthought or a footnote. What's special about this particular one? Yeah, this this is a, a magnificent verse. And it's that one line that is setting it apart, whose advent sets thy people free. I mean, when you're talking about advent, there it is. And, and you started, why John the Baptist? Well, it's because of the forgiveness of sins. That's, that's, that's how I interpret set thy people free. That's what, that's what forgiveness does. It sets us free so that we aren't burdened. We're not, we're not carrying around this load. We're not living under the law. We're not living in our sin, but we have been freed from it. And, and that explains why the incarnation was necessary. Love caused thy incarnation, as Paul Garhart writes in another hymn, and, and that love was to set us free. And so this toxological verse is about the Christ who comes by the will of the Father, as it says in Galatians, to set us free. That's why he comes. And that's, there's nothing better than that. If, if you can't see that, then then I, then I feel that you, that you need to really come and, and, and receive what Advent can give you, and that is that, that release from the burden under which you live. Let's hear the entire hymn we've studied here on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry.
Dr. Jess, your final thoughts on this Advent hymn on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry, about two minutes. We all love Christmas carols. We know them by heart. We can't wait to sing them. But I encourage people to savor the wonderful hymnody and the wonderful way in which the church anticipates and prepares for the coming of the celebration of the birth of Christ and all the Christmas carols that we will sing at that time. There's great wisdom and there's great joy and there's great peace in this season. There is a certain tranquility that comes as we carefully and slowly but fervently and with great purpose move towards Bethlehem and then beyond that, of course, to Jerusalem. And so Advent is a, is a way for us through John the Baptist and through hymns like this to recognize that being set free by the coming of Christ, by his death on our behalf, his resurrection and his ascension, that this is, this is what defines us, this is who we are, and that there's no greater way of celebrating that than through this season of anticipation, preparation, and joy. Dr. Arthur Just is professor of New Testament, chairman of the Department of Exegetical Theology, and director of Spanish-speaking pastoral formation at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth, The Gifts of Christ in the Divine Service, you could purchase these resources by calling Concordia Publishing House weekdays during regular business hours, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. Click Listen On Demand. Dr. Just, a blessed Advent to you. And to you, Todd, and a Merry Christmas. Next week on Issues Etc., we'll discuss Man and the Metaverse with Pastor Roy Askins. We'll talk with Dr. Stephen Parks about proof-texting early church fathers in Roman Catholicism. And we'll look forward to Sunday morning with Pastors Peter Bender and Sean Denzer. I'm Todd Wilkin. Go to church Sunday. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.